7.4 to go. Now they're going to have to foul. Oh, and and now there is a turnover immediately. Yeah. AK has the ball. Childress is who they want to have it. Childress puts it up. Tough shot. Brown gets the rebound. This is the Bond Coin Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fan podcast. Duke, the number four team in the country, is 26 and four, third in the ACC at 14 and three. And if you remember back on January 3rd, all of our loyal listeners, we made our ACC predictions. We also made our 2019 predictions for not only the ACC, but for where Duke was going to end up. And I wanted to refresh my memory. I wanted to go back and think about what did we say back then? Mm-hmm. Well, we both said that Duke was going to be 14-4 and four in the ACC. We both said that Duke would lose five games on the season and go 35-5 and five during the season. Mm-hmm. We both said that Duke was going to win the national championship. All mm-hmm. of these things... <laughs> Two of the three will be proven true by the end of Saturday. I mean, we are going to go 14-4 and because I'm going to predict this to lose. Spoiler Man. alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But it's not really a spoiler alert because actually on July or on January 3rd, I said our last loss is going to be at North Carolina on their senior night. You did, and I did so not I wanna, like hearing that. So I want to kick things off right there because – we are exactly where we thought we would be. And this is before even knowing all the injuries. Mm-hmm. But yet, and understandably, believe me, understandably, yet Duke Nation is in the picks right now. And I think I know a couple reasons why that is, even you know, in spite of the injuries. I think a lot of it has to do with how well the team eight miles down the road is doing. And that mm-hmm. you know, adds to it. But like for Yang, you're, you're down in sunny Orlando, Florida. Yeah, so man. I'm pretty jealous of that. Did you get a chance to watch that game last night against Wake? I did. I, I, I got a chance to watch it, and it was it was really, I don't know, it was really striking how badly the team played. Like we we didn't play well at times, but then at times I think I think it's masked by how bad Wake has been all year because down the stretch Wake was phenomenal. They hit shot after shot after shot, and and Duke kept matching was that was the other part of it was that Duke was able to continue to match even though it went down 10 at one point they were still able to match and I, I think it just stinks because Wake is not a good team and and if you look at the stats a little bit Duke held them to some low shooting percentages from three and from two which you, you love to see but we just we couldn't hold on to the ball to save our souls so we couldn't take advantage of it there's never a run we could never go on a run because we would continuously turn the ball over and does that worry me? That that instance worries me, but it doesn't worry me as if this is something that this team does all the time. Like, yes, there have been turnovers, but not like not RJ with seven and and not Trey with four or five. Like it's that's not typical for this team. And Zion or not, whether he comes back or not, that's you know, that's something that can't happen is we, we have to be able to go on runs. We have to be able to to be able to sustain these long stretches of good offense that this team can produce even without Zion. 
but we've got to be able to to hold on to the ball and we got to be able to stop the other team from scoring even if we do turn it over so that, that was kind of a big thing for for wake kept it in them kept them in it by allowing them to be you know they, they were pumped they were hyped and they were you know just hitting shots chill just was doing the best impersonation of his dad that he's done his entire career at wake and and it, it was way too close way too close yeah, uh, you know, it was almost a little uh, retribution when that ball rolled around the rim three times and didn't go in. Because mm-hmm. um, we've seen we've seen that on on our own uh, just twelve months ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I mean, we can't have fifteen turnovers against a team like Wake. That's number no. one. Uh, you can't have three charges the way Cam did in the first half. That's just inexcusable. Because mm-hmm. you know whether you can argue one or two of them. The bottom line is, dude, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt on that. You know, you haven't gotten the benefit of the doubt all year because mm-hmm. you are out of control and you're going down there and barreling in. That's one thing that RJ's actually learned, where RJ is more in control, has better body of control. Cam's completely out of control. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, how many times do you have to do that before you learn? So, you know, those mistakes and then, you know, Trey... Uh, God bless him for coming back in and, and hitting a couple, you know, big free throws and and taking another big hit. You know, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna stop turning the ball over too. You know, and and the, right. and the turnovers that RJ had yesterday were, you know, they were just come on, stop forcing it. You know, stop forcing yeah, it. I mean, the, stop forcing it into the lane to Javon Delaurier because let's just be honest here. Let's be honest <laughs> here. He he's not gonna finish that. So. Right. Right. You know, you got to know who you're throwing it to as well. You know, I know he right. missed Bolden once or twice as well, but at least I, I can trust Bolden to make the right decision or finish that play where, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, you know, Javid is not going to. No, no, he's he's totally at this point. He's totally untrustworthy on offense. Yeah, he, he gets he gets the points he gets. And when he went on his what was it, 29 field goals in a row streak or whatever it was, that crazy streak he went on earlier in the year. It, it was it wasn't because they were running plays for him that might have happened two or three of those field goals out of the the rest but it was putbacks and and fast break points and i mean if he's going to help this team in the tournament that's what it has to stick to it can't be anything else and a lot of that has been it's been necessity based on injury and availability and somebody has to try to score in the interior some and it you know unfortunately falls on Javin's shoulders and he's just not ready for it yeah, so, you know, let's talk real quick about the, you know, I thought RJ overall played a, a really good game. You know, without mm-hmm. him, we aren't even in the game, which is embarrassing. You know, the only run, I want to bring that up real quick, the only run that we actually made in the second half was when we were down 10 and we were yeah. able to, you know, get it back to even and then, you know, eventually up two or three. Right. That was the only run we actually made in that game. But I do want to switch gears to RJ's free throws. Every single one of them was long. The mm-hmm. uh, it was Lafonso Ellis made a comment about you know how he's not following through on his free throws and and clearly he didn't want to be at the line at the end. Right. What are is that you know it's been a couple of games in a row now where he's kind of gone back to you mm-hmm. know the free throw shooting that he had that we were questioning earlier in the year and I do think it's an issue because yeah. at the end of the day he will be at the line a lot which we mm-hmm. do. And he'll be at the line at the end of games. So what do you make of it? To me, it is fatigue and and focus. The, those are the two things. His shot form hasn't changed. Nothing else changed. He's tired, man. Like you can tell on his drives. Like he doesn't have he doesn't have the burst on his first step anymore. There are guys who are just cutting him off 
really easily on drives now where he has to kind of settle for that floater, which is still a, a, a really good shot for him. And he's been able to, to kind of take some pull-up mid-range jumpers here and there. But the guy's tight, and how can he not be? Like, the, the load that he, he has shouldered, at, at looking back at the end of the season and being able to look back at this team, one of the narratives absolutely has to be what RJ did for this team down the stretch when Zion went out. And then even in the other games, when Zion went out against Florida State, when Cam went down, uh, or when he was out against Syracuse, when Trey went down for those games, like all season, all RJ has done is just stepped into somebody else's role and place and has just performed and excelled. So at this point in the season, you know, you know, it, hats off to him. And I'm, I'm not going to begrudge him too much for some of the things that he did that this weight game in particular, because he is tired and you can see it. And the hope is that, you know, it's, the hope is that he, he does get some help coming up soon. Because yeah. this team needs it and he needs it. And to keep him healthy in these long stretches of games and things we're going to have where you have back-to-back in the tournament, ACC tournament, and then you have the one day of rest in the NCAA tournament over a weekend, like he's he's going to need some assistance. So we'll, hope he gets it because c- he's he's so good and he's done so much for this team. But it's going to be difficult for him to to totally lead this team to the promised land by himself at this point of the season. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, everything he, again, we won't, we don't even win that game, which is sad to say, without mm-hmm. everything that RJ did to get us to that point. Uh, yeah, it's probably fatigue, certainly mental and mm-hmm. physical. Um, at the end of the game there, what did you make of the, the I, I called it a choke job on Jack's part, but I, I have read some stuff that RJ was, you know, going down there calling for the, for the ball to take it out underneath the hoop. And there was some miscommunication there. Either way, Jack's going to know that he can't do that. So did, did you make anything of it? or uh, Walk me through your thought process. Well, of that's that the thought. what? That's the third time? Third time that that's happened this year to end or at the near the end of games where there's been a mix-up with who's yeah. going to end on the ball. And, and two out of those three times, Jack has been involved. Jack, yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't know in the huddle because, you know, typically Jack is going to take that ball out. Um, occasionally RJ will take it out to give it to Trey so that RJ is there to assist if there's any kind of pressure or press. So you'll see those kind of two options happening there. But generally, Jack is the inbounder there, so I'm not sure if yeah. if someone is trying to take over Jack's job because they're just trying to get the ball in because they don't want them to set the press up. I'm not sure what's being drawn up in the huddle, whether it's set up for somebody else to take it out so they can get it right back in, because a lot of times you'll see that. You'll see a, a, a primary ball handler inbounding the ball so that as soon as the trap is set, they can get it right back and head down court. So I, I'm not sure what the deal was there, but it's definitely miscommunication on three levels between the two guys who are supposed to be either one supposed to be inbounding or the other and the coaching staff because something is not being communicated there to not do something. Like, it it should be pretty clear. Jack sure. is going to inbound this, stay out of the way. Or RJ is going to inbound this, everybody else get the hell out of the way down floor. Like, it, like that has to be communicated at some point. So I'm not sure. Not sure what the mix-up has been there, but that's been three times now that I've noticed with this team towards the end of games where they do that. So that can't happen. It can't continue to happen. No, and you know, I it's tough. You know, we we texted last night after the game. It, it uh, you know, let's be let's be honest with our audience here. You know, I need to want to do this podcast, but we can't <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that because when things are great, it's so easy to come on mm-hmm. the air and sing the praises. But when things are bad. You gotta own up to that as well, and we're not gonna leave this team in the trenches no, no. Um, just because things are going wrong. And when did I want to come on the podcast? Right after the Miami game. Let's go to that one. So right after the Miami game, everything's great in Duke in Duke land. 
um, you know, Duke playing well. Alex is, you know, doing his thing. If, mm-hmm. if anybody, let's start there. If anybody has benefited from Zion being out, I think the first person you, you mentioned has to be Alex. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he has been able to, he's been forced to step up. So there's there's a forcing there. Kay was forced to trust him. He was forced to do the job. And so far he's done an, a phenomenal job of becoming a fourth a fourth score for this team. And that that's going to be huge. That's going to be important. Uh, he is, the one thing he's still not offering is the defensive help. We saw it against Wake. But when we have a healthy team, and we have a team that has all the pieces in the right place. Because still, the last two games, Miami was a totally different game from Wake. The rotations, again, were so different because of the injuries, because of Quis being out, because of Trey going out near the end. There were, just, there, were, there were groups of people in the game that don't belong in the game together. We talked about it last podcast, which is so, totally different from what you saw at Miami. Uh, you, you saw cohesive groups that all complemented each other. And that's... I, that's the ceiling for this team is the Miami game. The The basement for this team is the weight game. You saw it in the span of two games. You saw right. the ceiling. You saw the basement and it all comes down the rotation. Like it is, it's official now with this team is that it's all rotation based. Whoever is in the game, certain guys cannot be in the game together. We talked about it before. And that's, that's what you saw Miami, a lot of good rotations together in the game and the team just thrived on it. And it was just, it was a complete drubbing and it was what this team should be doing against teams like Miami. Yeah, and you know it's funny. It, it's they are complete polar opposites. Those two games. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody right now is all over Cam. He, you know, is just being roasted on the message boards about how he, you know, stupid plays uh, for the charges, not making shots, taking stupid ones. You know, it's it's Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and. In the Miami game, he has 19, 7-14 shooting, does a lot of uh, a little bit of everything, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, we got we got everything we're, we we need." Once Zion mm-hmm. comes back, we just plug him right in. Right. I just it, it's just crazy to to me, but I think I think you know the one thing that we can take away from Miami game clearly was Jack White hitting his first three and then knocking down the next two. That was awesome. <laughs> There's Jones around a screen. Now to White from deep. Splash! Boy, if White can start knocking them down with any kind of efficiency and consistency, it's a different Duke team. Watch out now. That was amazing, right? Like, that's one of those moments. That's that's one of those things that you hear Kay talk about when he, you know, in the season press conference. He talks about a kid's journey, and that's why he continues to coach, and that's why he's going to be on this, on coaching in the hot seat for the next couple of years because – that's the type of thing he lives for as a coach at this point in his career. And it really is, you know, championships and, and seeing his, his older players who have gone through the program and gone through their peaks and valleys and ups and downs and to, for Jack to be able to do that and just kind of have the feeling he had. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. And then even carrying in the weight game, the first two that he hit, I mean, it was just even the bank shot. It was like, man, he's, he's back. It's good. It's nice to have him back. So it, it, and it's true. Like, and with cam, you you see him against Miami. He's amazing. He's incredible. And then against Wake, not so much. And that's why Alex is so important, because at the very least, Alex does at least one of the things that Cam does, which is shoot the ball. The other thing Cam offers is his defense, because he's not he's not a driver. He's not an interior type player. So we can kind of cut that out for Cam at this point of the season. But for him, for him to be able to make shots and then for Alex to be able to make shots, that makes this team unguardable. But if only one of those two is hitting, at least this team is still they're still better than the team they're playing. So 
you know, we it, it is that's the narrative of the season again. Cam is who he is. We're gonna get a good Cam and we're gonna get a bad Cam, and it's gonna happen in the tournament. But at the very least, now with Zion being out in this last stretch of games that we've had without him, at least now the team has been able to some guys on the team have has been able to see success. And now you have Jack and, and Alex back, and those two are gonna be huge down the stretch. Absolutely huge. Yeah, and I, I know that uh, you know Jack shot two of ten against uh, against Wake. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of those were right at the rim. You know, right. just couldn't get one to drop. I understand those. I, I do think I, I would have liked to see him finish that play, be a mm-hmm. little bit stronger, make that play stronger mentally, just just you know will it in. Yeah. Um, you, you did see him, you know, make a couple threes, which was nice. He he, he deserved that bank. <laughs> yeah, he deserved he did. that one to, to be to, to be banked in. But there were a couple others that. Uh, they didn't release as well, um, mm-hmm. and and so it's like, okay, Jack, just just let it go each time. Stop worrying about when you miss. That's one thing you can say about Cam. He he doesn't hesitate. He just likes to fly. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, Alex is kind of that way as well. You know, right. Alex to me is the most important piece that we had to get going, whether Zion was hurt or not, because we needed yeah. a three-point you know shooter to come in. And we talked about this earlier on in the season. You know, I, I compared it to, you know, kind of having an Andre Dawkins out there. Mm-hmm. I still think that's really the case, but he actually might be able to play more minutes than Andre could on that 2010 team. I think so, because of the way that team played in particular. That team, you were going to get, that that backcourt was Kyle, Shire, and Smith, three of the best guards Duke has ever had. So for, for Dre to even get some minutes was good. But, you know, he's not going to be expected to carry the same load that Alex is right now, which Alex is going to get more minutes because... He's rotating in for Cam. He's rotating in for Trey, and hopefully some for RJ if Zion can come back because that gives RJ a chance to rest. I think that's going to be the biggest thing we get when Zion comes back is giving RJ a chance to sit down for a second. But um, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on with this group in particular was in the Miami game we saw it was Queese and his, his the ability to score, and we we you know we briefly touched on it last podcast. It's huge because if he can offer this team anywhere anywhere between eight and 15 points a game going through the tournament. This team is, you know, add add that to some of the other lists of what makes this team unstoppable because that is huge because it opens up so much. And that's why you saw the team able to shoot better than they've ever shot in Cameron, able to to get a few more drives than they've gotten towards the end of the season. He's big, man. He's, he's a really, a really important player. And it's, it's going to be huge for him to get looks like that, you know, when even when Zion comes back, like it's gonna be really big for him to get those types of looks because that's that just really helps this team out. Yeah, but Bolden's been you know very important uh, all season long, especially during the ACC. He played extremely well against Miami. Bolden's at his best when he's decisive in his actions. Mm-hmm. When he gets the ball, he knows what he wants to do with it and goes up and executes. He he actually is one of the better big men, uh, certainly in, in conference. It's mm-hmm. when he you know, kind of thinks about it too much that he gets himself into trouble. And and it really on both ends of the court. And unfortunately, at the end of the weight game, excuse me, at the end of the, the or the beginning of the first, second half of the weight game, mm-hmm. when he gets some kind of hip injury or calf injury or something, and they take him out, didn't even notice it. Uh, but we're going to touch on that in, in a second. Let's touch yeah. on what you just mentioned, Zion Williamson. You know, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I thought that you know, based on what I was kind of hearing, that he would come back in that late game, get one more game in Cameron, play against UNC, 
But then on the other side, you made a great point, you know, and actually Jay Williams made the same one where if he's not going to play against Wake, you're not going to play him against UNC. Do you right. still feel that way? Yeah, no, I, I don't think we see him back. Because K doesn't care about sentiment, like, especially when it comes to a kid's health and when it comes to, you know, the, the essentially, I say the health of the team, not in terms of injuries, but in terms of mental preparation and mental stability and everything else like that. He, he doesn't care about, you know, Zion getting his last game in Cameron. You know, he'll, he'll get that if he's a senior. Like, he doesn't care about his last game against UNC. He didn't, he didn't have one game against UNC because he went out in 33 seconds. So that's not, you know, for, for fans, that's fun to wish and talk about. But when this team has the mission of winning the NCAA tournament and they have the capability to do so, especially with a weapon like Zion Williamson, you want to make sure not only is he healthy, but you also want to make sure your team is in the proper place for him, them to be when he gets back. I think that was one of the things we'll debate it forever in the offseason. With Kyrie coming back, the, there are parts of that team that weren't prepared for him to return. I, I don't think that he's going to make the same mistake with this group where I, when Zion comes back, they are going to be in a better place than they were in when he left, which is totally true. Whether we win the ACC, turn, ACC tournament or not, whether we beat UNC this weekend or not, this team is going to be in a better place because guys have been able to do certain things now with Zion being out. So the prospects for the NCAA tournament are much greater than the prospects of the next four to four to three to four games that we're going to play. So I'm, I'm fine with him sitting and, you know, I'd love to see him play against UNC as a fan. Absolutely. From this thinking of it as a standpoint of strategy and everything else, it's, it's pointless to bring him back against UNC. Absolutely pointless because the game doesn't mean anything at this point. Cause it's not going to win, not going to win the ACC because of it. And Duke can still secure a one seed with a good showing in the ACC tournament. So you know, I'm I'm pessimistically saying he doesn't come back until the NCAA tournament, but you know, what, when one game in the ACC tournament, I think we see him come back for the second one. It's interesting. Um, I I am kind of fifty fifty on when we see him come back, but I I wanted to touch on something that you just brought up, and to me, it, it's it's very different than the Kyrie Irving situation. The Kyrie Irving situation, Kyrie Irving is a ball dominant point guard. Mm-hmm. And he he needs to be integrated back. And, and believe me, I still would have brought him back. But, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying I wouldn't have brought him back. Yeah, I'm just, right. Just and, and the way I yeah. would have brought him back. But you know, you're kind of taking the ball out of Nolan Smith's hands, who was the ACC Player of the Year, who was kind of the de facto point guard of that team, mm-hmm. and trying to integrate a ball dominant point guard and taking the ball, you know, somewhat out of the hands of another guy that was playing so well, is a lot different than trying to integrate a guy that is the most efficient player in the last decade of college basketball and a guy that doesn't necessarily need, you know, touches right. to be effective in the game. And he can go and get his however he wants. Absolutely. But I do want to ask you, do you think it affects in a negative way at all RJ when Zion comes back? Or do you think no. it just makes it a hell of a lot easier for him? Because that's not no. where I land on it. It's going to make it easier for RJ because RJ is not going to have to shoulder as much of a load. On yep. top of that, RJ is going to be able to sit a couple of stretches. He probably won't sit much, but he'll be, if he needs to sit down right now, if he needs to sit down, he can't. And he's soldiering right. through it. With Zion back, he can at least take a, a few plays off and get back in the game. And, and the team will be fine because Zion still pairs well with Queese and Cam and Trey. Or, you know, if Cam's out, Alex and Trey and Queese because of what Zion does on defense. And also, what Zion doesn't require, which is he doesn't require touches to be so effective. You know, he, some of his best games, 
you know, he's getting 20 points, 20 plus points on, you know, 12 to 15 shots. So right. that's nothing for him because he's going to get most of those on rebounds because of how effectively he rebounds the ball. So, so Zion coming back is going to be a totally different story from, from Kyrie coming back. And the point is not so much that he's going to come back and negatively affect anybody's game on this team. Really what he's going to come back and do is make it a lot easier for guys. And if he can make it easier for guys who are now stepping up into roles better than they were before, then that's so much better for this team. And I think that's where this team is going to be because I think the only person really quite honestly, the only person that this takes some touches or whatever also is going to be like guys like Javin because you know, Javin's not going to get the ball thrown to him anymore. He doesn't need it. Like it's, he's going to get to go back to, you know, December and January Javin, who was just cleaning things up on the side. So I think that suits him perfectly fine. Alex is going to still get his shots because Zion passes so well out out of the post. Queese is still going to be able to get shots down low because Zion is going to take attention away from Queese. So you talk about Queese being decisive. He's going to be able to be decisive because he doesn't have double teams now. RJ is going to have driving angles again. Cam is going to have driving angles if he wants them. He's probably not going to take them for the most part, but if he wants them, they're going to be there for him. So this team is totally set up for him to come back. And again, when I'm, like Zion masked a lot of things that were wrong with this team, and there were a lot of things going wrong with this team when Zion was having his monster games, and we were winning games because of that. Yeah. So he, he's coming back to a better team. And and that's that couldn't be Duke fans shouldn't be any happier about anything else other than that. So I, I know it's difficult. You want to win every game as a fan and then everything else. And you want to win every game by 20 points as a fan. But, you know, let's all pump brakes for a second. Let's all calm down because Zion Williamson absolutely is coming back to a better Duke team than he left. Are you concerned at all with, you know, I, I know Kay mentioned after the game yesterday about his conditioning. Um, personally, I, I, I think that actually is kind of. Yeah. Nah. Smoke screen. I think that's coach speak. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not worried about that at all. I think my concern is, you know, certainly the the mental state of, of some of our guys uh, and mm-hmm. certainly the health of some of our guys. Uh, and before we get to two of those people, I do want to let, let's talk about the defense when Zion comes back, because I think mm-hmm. that that is one of the areas that everybody wants to talk offensively what he does. Right. And it, it's correct. But defensively, is where he, I think, makes the biggest impact because he allows us, and I keep harping on this, he allows us to get out in transition Absolutely. and get easy baskets, and we are not getting easy baskets right now. Not at all, and that's what's been, that's that and the turnovers. We've still gotten turnovers, but the turnovers that lead to baskets. So teams are throwing the ball out of bounds and other things that they normally wouldn't do because the defense is still pretty stout. But we're not getting the turnovers that we get, the open floor turnovers that we always usually get, the blocks, the steals, the things that Zion does so well. And and that's what he's going to come back and, and be able to do. Those those sneaky steals he gets where he leaves his guy. The minute one of their guys turns their back, he's so fast. And it's, it's such an underrated skill. He can leave his guy from a wing and get to the top of the key and get a steal on a point guard who's turned his back to him because he knows he's not making a pass over his shoulder to his guy. And it's it's such a beautiful thing to watch, and it leads to so many points and so many other things. Because now that now that's always in the back of a point guard's head is I can't even turn my back against this guy. So now Trey is set up to do what he does so much better than he's not only been doing lately. He's still been amazing, but he, he's able to do it even better because now he's just one on one up top and he can go to work. So so Zion adds that aspect, and then he adds the aspect of rebounding. Rebounding is a part of defense. A rebound is the same thing. I always teach my kids this. A rebound is the same thing as a steal and a turnover. It's 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 a it's a turnover for the other team because we are getting the ball back and we're going the other way without them scoring a bucket. So he adds that element to the defense of being able to rebound 
and now we've turned turned a shot of theirs into potential offense for our team. So, you know, he does all those things and it's and it's really amazing what he does and how how well he did it and how easy he made it seem because now that he's been gone, it's those things have been so difficult for this team to get. So it, he, he just makes that so much easier. And, and that's something you need in a tournament because the, the shooting is not always going to be there. Some of the other things aren't always going to be there, but you can always force a team into turnovers and you can always find fast break points if that's something that your team does. So yeah, he's going to add that. He's bringing that back. I think that, you know, it, it's going to be a morale boost to have him back on the floor. And mm-hmm. I'll finish this, this segment up. I, I firmly believe that he's going to sit against UNC. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense in the world to bring him back for all the reasons mm-hmm. that you mentioned. He's not going to change any seating of ours in the ACC. So, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to bring him back in that high pressure, uh, high intensity atmosphere on the road. Don't even bother. But I do think he'll come back. Thursday. I, I don't see a reason to send him one more game when you have an opportunity to integrate him in and, and start getting that. I, I don't think you can take anything for granted anymore right. after, the, after the UNC game. So don't take for granted that you can have you know another game on Friday because w- without him. So don't go lose Thursday just, you know, and th- because I don't want to start trying to integrate him as a two seed in the tournament. You know, when you're playing a 215, should be fine. But then, mm-hmm. you know, 27, and you're, you're starting to worry about things, and there's a little game pressure. And then you have a guy that hasn't played in, in basically, you know, three or four weeks. I don't want that to happen. So if, if he's ready to go Thursday, he should be. There's no, there's no question. He should be. It'd be three weeks in a day. Right. I'm bringing him back. So let's talk about the, the next pillar here. We had two guys that got pretty banged up in the second half. Yeah. And... You know, I threw out this last night to, to you and a couple others. If if I'm K on Saturday, you know, I have Trey banged up and I have Marquise banged up. Still don't know the extent of, of either, but, you know, Trey was a knee-to-knee. I would think that he'll be fine. Marquise, mm-hmm. apparently he went to the locker room, came back, and could have gone back in, so we assume that he's fine. This is This is out there, and it's against everything I am as a Duke fan. If I'm K, I'm I'm be honest with you, I, I would sit both of those guys and you know, for lack of a better term, either th- you know, not not only throw in the game, but you're you're not giving uh you're not giving those two guys an opportunity to further injure anything for a game that's completely meaningless. I think sure. that puts a lot more pressure on RJ, so I would re you know, I would I would put together a different game plan where you're not putting as much pressure on RJ, you know, sit him, bring in Joey, you know, try different lineups out in the first half. If, you know, by some measure we are close with 10 minutes to go, then try to win it. But other than that, I think you try to get other guys minutes and you you try to just keep our guys healthy. Because I think this team was built for March and the first weekend of April. I just think that at this point, you got to focus on that not entirely. And as much as it pains me, just, you know, you got to give them the game in Chapel Hill. I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Trey 40 minutes. I wouldn't do it that way. I would sit him more often than I normally would. I would, I would sit RJ and I would bring in, you know, I would bring in Joey. We, you know, he, he's available. So I'd bring in Joey. I'd put Jack in for RJ in his spot occasionally, things like that. 
just to give him some time. Because, yeah, I, th- I think sitting Quise and, and Trey, what that does is it just puts too much on RJ at this point. He's so tired. Like, And and what happened to Quise and Trey, maybe Trey more than Quise. I'm not exactly sure what happened with Quise. But those contact injuries are kind of, you know, they, they happen. And when you're tired, they feel worse than they do when you're when you're pumped and you're good. Maybe if that play happened near the beginning of the game with Trey, I think he would have been able to come back in the game and, and he might not it might not have even happened the way it did because he would have been able to split that gap a little quicker than he was able to at the end of the game being being fatigued a bit. So, you know, you, you see that. You see those contact type injuries happen towards the end of games more than you do in the beginning games. So I I, I just don't want them to to go out and have to be you know, have to be soldiers and put their bodies on the line against UVA or UNC. That's the only thing I don't want to have to happen because it's such a meaningless game other than for the rivalry. I, you know, we don't, you don't win a championship with this team beating UNC like that. Like, but at the same time, you also don't, especially if Zion's going to be out, you also don't sacrifice completely your mentality and your game plan because it's still important to have those pieces in place and doing the things that they are kind of supposed to be doing for when Zion does get back against a high level team like UNC. So you still you still want your strategy in place, which is another reason why I don't think you sit them. You just or totally sit them. You just maybe sit them down for a few minutes here or there. But it's again, it is a meaningless game for the most part. The meaning comes to a high level team in a high level atmosphere. And these guys who have now established some roles, seeing some shots go down in a game like that, seeing some good defensive plays in a game like that. And, and seeing their offense and defense work together and, and the certain combinations work together in a game like that so that when you do reinsert Zion, things are just they're just smooth at that point. So I, I think it's so important for that aspect. It's not important for the record. And it's not important for how we end the season in, in terms of where we end it in the ACC regular season or anything else. It's, it's important for continuity. So I don't think you sit them. If they're, if they're able to go, I don't think you sit them. Cool. I, I think the other thing I was thinking about um, when I – first came up with that theory and it it, it could be a, a game a, a little gamesmanship as well mm-hmm. you know he knows that you know we're most likely going to play unc next friday mm-hmm. unc at that point would have would have never faced our whole team right and i i think that personally i think our whole team we beat them at, at full strength oh yeah and i think it'll be an opportunity for him to you know not show any of his cards and you know, let a couple of those guys get some big, big time experience. You know, let Alex shoot 18 times, and mm-hmm. you know, let's see if, if if Jack can get a couple things going. Shit, throw Joey Baker out there, let him yeah. get a couple of touches, and just get some experience because he'll be playing in that game next year. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of where my head's at. I, I just think that it, it's not even worth it to. I just think the health of this team is more important than anything else. And, oh no! It absolutely is. It is, and, and that's that's kind of my only thought process here. The health of the team is more important than anything else. Apparently, Bolden's fine. Right. Church Ray is fine. But yeah, if they're like nine contact type injuries or like soft tissue injuries, then I'm with you. I'm totally with you on sitting for those types of things. But if it's like, because I mean, the thing with Trey, that was like that's almost like getting hitting your funny bone on on the corner yeah. of a table. So you know, there's, I just I don't know that you. Just from a mentality standpoint, I just don't know that you sit somebody because because those injuries are so freak and they just happen. So if there's something they know, they know the kids better than us. So if there is something lingering there that's that's creating some of these issues we've seen with guys in the past few games, then sure, then yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like one more week of rest is is absolutely necessary. But 
if they're good, if they're good, then I'm okay with with them playing. And again, you you don't you don't play it to kill the guys that are on the floor. You play it in a way that you still want to win, but in a way that you know you can win. So maybe maybe they employ a little bit of the game plan that Duke employed when Boozer went down and they went to Chapel Hill. And you play more of a perimeter oriented kind of four out game where you know you where shoot the ball. You guys take some shots, take some confident shots. And and let's do it that way instead of trying to have to to bust our hump to try to get into the lane against double and triple teams and stuff like that because that's where you get injuries and yeah so I'm I'm kind of with you on that in that regard of definitely not throwing the game but don't don't kill yourselves like we don't need you to kill yourselves against UNC this year I'm you know, whatever yeah let it let it go and we'll get them on we'll get them on Friday mm-hmm. so I think I think we're both on the same thought process uh it's just you know a different way to. It's an interesting theory. It's it's a fun theory because I mean Jordan Goldwire would probably love that theory. I'm sure he would. Uh, I'm sure Joey Baker would love it since yeah. he, Tony. To, I think he, Tony would like to hear that. He, yeah, he Tony, wants to get, Tony, get, get, get himself in there. Uh, maybe even Brandon Besser. Who, who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked about Trey and Quiz and what we would do uh, with them. Let's talk about uh, the prediction. Let's finish this up. And, and this, you know, we talked about Carolina a lot, obviously. It's going to be a much different podcast than, mm-hmm. you know, when we came in to the Carolina game the first time. And it's it's funny what two weeks will do to you. You know, yeah. today today actually marked two weeks since, you know, the first UNC game. And we were all jacked up, you know, the number one team in the country. It's, it's crazy what two weeks will do. Yeah. You know, here we are, doom and gloom. And, you know, Duke Nation, everybody is just all the negative Nancy's are out in full force. Anybody that says anything positive about Duke is a homer. Uh, yeah. It's probably somewhere in the middle. I think that people are going to be, you know, ready to be burning the state when Duke loses in Chapel Hill. But state of the bigger picture, I keep harping on the fact that this team was built for March. We have to get everybody healthy. So, you know, we, we talked about the, the, you know, the game and what we would do with Trey, please. Obviously, Zion is most likely not going to play. I'm going to go with with that thinking that even if uh, Trey and, and Quise do play, it's not going to be major minutes. Um, so I'm going to take Carolina on their senior night. I'm sure it'll be rocking in there, and they'll be playing jump around and you know thinking that they're the best team since mm-hmm. sliced bread, even though they had the weakest uh, non-conf or uh, weakest road conference record. Uh, on a schedule since this whole thing started. Yep. They play like they're they're. I don't know if anybody's seen seen this. Their road schedule in in conference was a joke. Yeah. For a month and a half, they didn't even leave the state of North Carolina. Right. Like it's just you know it's not the same. But that's not, but that's selling grapes. That's selling grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, g- give me uh UNC in this one, ninety two to seventy eight. <laughs> I really hope you're wrong about this, man. And Me it's so too. funny too, because like you you say it, and then you know it, it begs the question, like what? Think about fan fan TK for a second. Did you ever see yourself ever saying, "I just want the guys to sit down and we can throw Goldwire and Joey Baker to the wolves and just let UNC have this one"? Have you ever said that about UNC ever in your life? No, I'm not. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, and, no, no, no. But, but that's, I, mean, that's, I, I just that's the point, though. Like that's the thing, like. Yeah. With Zion, like that's what Zion going down totally did to this rivalry for this year, and it's it's that just sh- that shows how transcendent he is, and then it also shows kind of where 
sort of where the, the, the game is headed as long as the one and done stuff is still around because you know, under normal circumstances, we might be looking at, you know, somebody like Zion or something and you say, well, he'll, he'll be able to come back and get them next year. And then you're still kind of lathered up for the game. But in this one, like it, this one is, it's not, it's, I won't go as far as to say it's another game, but this is, this is the, I haven't cared less about a UNC game ever yeah. as a fan ever. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's sad to say it, to feel that way. But at the same time, it's what's more important. It's the most important thing is, and, and for everyone, the most important thing is, is winning a title. And, and if fans are, if, if fans can take a step away from themselves for a second and see it from a different perspective, because every fan wants that. You know, as, bad, as bad as some fans talk about some past Duke teams, they, they always say one of the reasons why is they lost in the tournament in the first round. They did this, they did that. People, people shit on last year's team who was one shot away from getting to the final four and had an amazing season. So, you know, this team is, if this team is going to be revered for the way they should be, then they, they need to make it to, to the final four weekend at least and, and really yeah. win a title. So that's the reason I don't care about this game as much because I, I want them to be healthy. I want them to be in a good place. And if that means, you know, changing, changing things for UNC, then so be it. I don't think Trey and Quee sit, but I think you'll see a different game plan if it works. I think you'll see this game as a very competitive game. If it doesn't work, this team gets beaten by double digits because they're going to be close to double digit underdogs when Vegas yeah. brings the line out. So um, I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be more along the lines of I'm I'm going to err on the side of a different game plan is going to work from what we have seen, and I'm going to say that UNC takes this one in a really close one, but it's going to be somewhere around 84 to to 79. I mean, I hope we're both wrong, and mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, Paige draws up something masterful and, and wins. You know, but, uh, yeah, the reality is, you know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, it, a, a title is always the ultimate goal. But, yeah. you know, to, to sit here and, and feel, and, and, and this is a genuine feeling that I have, I, I, I haven't gone into a UNC matchup where I just was like, I don't even want to watch this game. <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, it's it's because I know that not only do I feel like we have no chance, but I am more concerned with um, our fan base, uh, what it's turned into for, for, for many of them, which is that second something goes wrong, everybody turns on everybody. And right. I, I, can't, I can't handle it. I, I, I yeah. think that is such garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sit here and I say, you know, I think we should hit these guys, it's for the the overall big picture, you know, right. I'm, I'm very happy to be critical of things that need to be critical, whether it's Cam driving three times in a row and picking up charges, you got to be smarter than that. Uh, whether it's Jack making the, the moronic decision to step out of bounds, whether RJ was calling for it or not, you got to be smarter right. than that. Whether it's Javin, you know, making boneheaded play after boneheaded play and getting blocked by the rim, I don't even know where to go yeah. with that. But it's just, you know, there's there's multiple ways to criticize a team. And how I'm can you gonna, be so critical of a team that's only had the full team in conference for nine games out of 18? For nine of 18 games. And like I said at the start of this game, dude, we are 26 and four. We're 14 and three. We're going to be 14 and four. But that's exactly where the five point play podcast told mm-hmm. you we would be. Yeah. I predicted that we would win. The ACC tournament. You said we would not. 
Um, you just felt like, you know, UVA would be too much to handle at the end. But we both predicted that this team was going to win the national championship. Neither right. of us can predict that the injuries are going to be there that we had. You can't predict that. So we've had a lot of hurdles. And you know what? It's funny because a couple podcasts ago, we said either buy in or sell out. And if you don't want to get in, don't get in. But we are going to lose Saturday. Remember who told you? We're <laughs> going to lose Saturday, but then we're going on a run. We're going to get our players back, and we're going to go on a run. So here's the last – it's the last stop. Saturday morning is the last stop because once that game starts, nobody else is getting back on the train. The train's gone. It's so, leaving. Last call, Saturday morning, this train's, <laughs> this train's leaving the station. Get on, or we'll see you in Minneapolis. That's all I'm going to say. Just let, let, let these kids be kids. This is, this is not your typical Duke team. This is not the thing that you grew up watching in the 90s. The shorts are longer. The, the socks are longer. They got sleeves on their arms now. Like Everything is different. Coach K is letting guys wear beards, for God's sakes. Like, it's different, man. Let it be different and enjoy it. Enjoy the damn ride. Like, enjoy the train ride. Get on the train and enjoy the ride. The scenery is going to be nice. Occasionally, there might be a rainstorm here or there. And in the end, you're going to come out fine because this team is amazing. It's going to be great. Let's say they – what happens if they win Saturday? What does that do for RJ's legacy? Because RJ Barrett is, is good enough to will a team to a victory. He really is. So, you know, just enjoy the ride. Like, let it happen. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, it'll happen the next day. And when we get to the tournament, you have one game to do it. And this is the type of team that's built to do it in one game. They're built for this pressure. They're built for it. They don't need a regular season. So, and as, as TK said, get on the train or get off. We don't need you. Let's go. Toot toot. Let's go do it. <laughs>